The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Are you a label reader? One uses bioengineered plants and lots of added stuff. Grassland butter uses wholesome cream and a pinch of salt. Real butter is better. Pure, natural, real. Grassland butter. Welcome in PFF NFL podcast. We are here. Week one in the book, Sam. How you doing, man? Happy Good. Monday morning. You notice how loud you are that both of us have to reach for the uh, the volume down button? Yeah, I'm louder than the music that was in our ears. Well, you're louder than everything. We're live on YouTube, by the way. Am I popping a little bit? Somebody fix my popping. Come on. I think you can fix, fix that yourself it. by just, just being kidding. quiet. All right, all right. I won't yell anymore. We're live on YouTube. I was just joking, too. I'm not that guy that's like yelling at the people behind the scenes here. Really? At our production crew. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, Sam. We are both long-winded. Let's try to keep this under three and a half hours. I don't think we have a shot. We're, we're screwed. Week one right. just happened. Football just happened. A whole week. A, a whole lot. week of meaningful football just a, happened. A lot of football happened. In addition to the Antonio Brown craziness. Yeah, I was tweeting it this weekend. I, the NFL has stolen the Saturday news cycle for three straight weeks. Yeah. They had Andrew Luck. College football's kicking off, and in the middle of the first college football game of the year, Andrew Luck retires. Yeah. Out of nowhere. You can't. And then there's the, the Texans just making moves left and right, you know, laying the groundwork for Steve to take over. How hard could it be? You know, trading for Laramie Tunsil, trading Jadavian Clowney. That was week one, the Saturday of college football. And then this past weekend, Antonio Brown, within 24 hours, was declared a start, ready to go for Monday night, and then Instagramming something behind the scenes on John Gruden, and then requesting his release, getting his release, and then getting signed by the Patriots. Yes. The Antonio Brown thing, so we covered it briefly last week, and you were reticent to do even that because... I don't like the off-field drama. Right. But then the off-field drama became kind of significant because not only did he actually look like he was going to get cut, he managed to get himself all the way cut and then he wind did. up in the Patriots like, a, like five minutes later. So a brief summary of the Antonio Brown situation, right? Thanks. Gets himself... Booted out of Pittsburgh, finally, having been a pain in the ass there for a while, right? Yep. Gets traded to Oakland, nearly freezes his feet off with a cryotherapy accident, um, misses most of the preseason because of that, complains about a helmet change that had been coming down the pipe for like a year that everybody was notified by, 
became upset by that, held himself out of camp until they found him a new helmet, went looking for a 10-year-old helmet, found one, it failed a test, had to get a new helmet, signed with Zenith or wherever they are, to, to wear their helmet this season. Everything's good. Mike Mayock is like, well, it's time for him to be all in or all out. So Antonio Brown gets kind of upset by that, uh, threatens some retirement, um, posts a picture of the fine that Mike Mayock sent him for missing various team activities on Instagram, complaining about the team. Uh, that obviously caused some friction between him and Mike. Uh, they got into it, apparently, during training camp or during, uh, during practice. Had to be restrained by Vontae's perfect. That's, you know, when things are going really badly. Uh, apologizes, um, tearfully, apparently, to the rest of the team. Gruden says, okay, it's cool. He's, uh, he'll be playing Monday. Uh, then he posts an Instagram video, like all artfully done, very tasteful, very well done, using vi- uh, recording of a phone call. Is it still going? Yeah, yeah. Using phone call, uh, recording of a phone call that Gruden had with him, where Gruden, being the rest of us, basically said, just stop this shit and play football, will you? How hard is that? Right? Reasonable, reasonable point, I think. Gruden comes out immediately and says, I thought, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was great, even though it potentially violates California law, uh, recording people without they, them, their knowing about it. Uh, anyway, they then find him again. That guarantees all the voided money or avoids all the guaranteed money in his contract. He gets upset by that and says, well, if my contract doesn't have any guaranteed money for it, I want to be cut. And they cut him. And then like five minutes later, he signs with the Patriots for a deal that was slightly better than the one he, he ended up being with in Oakland because they voided all of his guaranteed money. Now, that's vaguely interesting in and of itself. But then on top of all that, everyone's like, that was really quick to sign with the Patriots. Tampering much? Well, the Patriots were trying to trade for him. Yes, for a first-round pick. And Pittsburgh right. were like, I'm not trading you to the Patriots. You're going to have to go somewhere else. Now he's with the Patriots. It didn't cost them a first-round pick. Right. And there was some very suspicious things happening in between. And that was the, my tweet that went viral. I'm still getting likes and stuff on it. I was just basically like the Raiders gave up draft picks so that the Patriots could sign Antonio Brown. Yeah. Well, the Ra- so technically speaking, the Raiders actually made money from the Antonio Brown deal. If you factor in the fines and stuff, now they probably won't get it because I think fines come out of game checks, so he's unlikely to pay them. Yeah. Um, but they didn't lose money. They literally, I mean, all they lost was the draft picks. But the point is, he extricated himself in very suspicious circumstances from the Raiders to the point where everyone's calling him like mentally unbalanced and all this kind of stuff. Right. Signs almost immediately in New England, the way everybody was joking that he would, you know, the ha, this is such a Patriots move. He's going to sign. And then they've got Antonio Brown. And they actually did. Yeah. And even the boss man, Chris, on the broadcast last night was like, if this holds up. Like, somebody is going to be filing some kind of objection to all this. this he looks, said it like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Like, this looks very suspicious. Now, maybe it's all above board, and the Patriots just lucked into one of the most talented receivers of his generation for peanuts. The thing is, Antonio Brown can act on his own and do that, mm-hmm. but obviously not with, with prior knowledge that he'll definitely be signed. It would, yeah. in theory, it would have to be a, a risky play. Right, and it, I mean, in, in to be fair, he still lost out of like thirty million. Yeah, like the deal he signed is slightly better than the one he was going to be sort of playing under. Had he lost all the guaranteed money, like they voided the thirty million guaranteed, but he was still due like fifteen this year, basically just weekly game checks. Um, that's essentially what he's getting with the Patriots. 
minus the thirty million. Right. So it's not like he was. It's not like he's made out winning, winning, winning. He's lost thirty million dollars, but he's got out of Oakland. He's now with the Patriots, and if he plays well this year, maybe they re-sign him to the big money and just defers the money a year. Plus, he'll have a ring. Are we done talking about the drama part of it? Okay, we'll talk some football. Yeah. Well, so let's. And what Antonio Brown means? Do you want to start with that game? Well, let, yeah. Okay. Let's talk first of all what it means. The Raiders have no receivers anymore. They're yeah. screwed. Uh, all of their receivers are terrible. Yeah, so they went from really intriguing group of receivers led by Antonio Brown with a nice deep threat in Tyrell Williams to Tyrell Williams and then the veteran Hunter Renfro right. coming in to be a high-volume Yeah, like Hunter Renfro catcher. needs to catch like 200 passes, and even then they're probably screwed because Tyrell yeah. Williams is your deep threat guy. Um, the Patriots, on the other hand, have gone from <laughs> what does their offense look like with no real clear wide receiver plan to, oh, my God, look at those wide receivers. Yeah. Antonio Brown, um, Josh, Gordon. Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman is your slot guy. And, oh, by the way, Philip Dorsett was the best receiver right. on the field. Philip Dorsett scoring touchdowns for fun against that Steelers defense. And Keel Harry is, like, IR'd for a redshirt year because, frankly, we're not going to need you this year. Sir. Demarius Thomas was inactive. Right, Demarius <laughs> Thomas is inactive, and they're like, oh, he's going to come back. He's not even going to be active I don't ever. Even think, I don't even think he'll— Why are uh, they going to need him? I don't think— I don't think he's going to do much. And then they've got the one, um, the undrafted Bemidji State guy returning punts who's going to yeah. be active all year just and for giggles. undrafted Jacoby Myers has yes. a big catch over the middle as well. So, yeah, they've got some weapons. The tight ends are pretty terrible there. Right, but who cares now? Yeah. Um, so we wanted to know. So let's discuss Patriots destroying the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then we'll go game by game. We'll touch on every game at least a little bit. Okay. okay? Um, so the PFF grades... They're being reviewed, reviewed, and reviewed, checked, and rechecked right now as we speak, and they'll be up on the site. PFF Elite gets you premium stats 2.0, so the grades mm-hmm. will come in uh, later this morning, early after or early afternoon, depends on the game, right? If you're watching live, they're not in yet. If you're listening to this, most of you, with the grades will already be up on the site, locked. Go get them now. Go get them now. So, um, Patriots beat the Steelers pretty handily. Beat down. Um, I think, so you've got both sides of the ball um pretty much dominating yeah. for for the New England Patriots the defense locking down Pittsburgh let's start with Pittsburgh really quick i thought i mean big ben did not look happy during or after the game did you hear his speaking of antonio brown did you hear his uh his comments after the game no i didn't what did he say i forget what it was now but it was like what are your <laughs> thoughts on uh, that's a pretty terrible story well done what Steve. are your thoughts on antonio brown signing in new england or something like don't care huh okay i mean hmm. he's pretty he was pretty upset. So I thought it was a very conservative, short passing game in Pittsburgh, other than, you know, the random deep ball that he hits James Washington on. Yeah, yeah it was, which is uh, nice. I don't understand why they didn't go back to more of that. Um, can I ask why are we still throwing at Dante Moncrief, I expecting just, something to happen? I just always know where you're going to go. Ten targets for Moncrief, three catches for seven yards, and, you know, at least one drop in there, maybe more. What? He had a drop. So the Patriots had a bunch of those like late right. pass breakups where we're going to give credit to the defender for breaking it out, but it really should be caught. Why? I don't understand. Like At this point, we've seen enough of Dante Moncrief, right? We kind of know what's going to happen when you throw the ball his way, and it's not good. Yeah. So we've seen. So Big Ben, you know, last year against Jacksonville, they had a game where they were just terrible. Right. Right. And then they make this miraculous comeback, and that's Big Ben and Antonio Brown kind of doing their thing. He doesn't have... That bailout guy. I mean, Juju's good, but Juju's getting locked down by Stephon Gilmore right. last so, night. So Juju was, they were making it very hard work to get the ball to Juju, right? right? So your choices are now, right, where are we going with the ball other than him? And apparently the answer was Dante Moncrief, right? 
I'm not saying that Deontay Johnson or James Washington are dramatically better right now, but Deontay Johnson had a one-handed snag going across the middle. It was pretty absurd. And James Washington had your one decent big down-the-field play of the night and was open for a second one, only Big Ben missed him. Right. Right? So your two potentially biggest receiving plays came from James Washington, and Deontay Johnson did something that you were waiting for Moncrief to do over 10 targets, and it never happened. So maybe start throwing the ball at them more. That's all I'm saying. Maybe it, it, they'll, they'll have bad plays as well, I'm sure. But you know Moncrief is not coming up with the big one. So why? Why waste everybody's time? Yeah, so that was, it was ugly offensively for Pittsburgh. I think so. I don't always put too much stock into camp reports, but all the reports coming out, sometimes they, they're true. Like in the college game, people were saying LSU looks great, and they were great the other night, Sam. Okay. You didn't notice that? So all the reports coming out of New England camp is that the defense is incredible. And, of course, last year they were excellent in coverage, and that's a big part of the reason why they won the Super Bowl. They look pretty locked down right now. Yeah. I mean, they're deep in the secondary. We talk about you can't have too many corners. They just paid and locked up Jonathan Jones. They're essentially their slot corner, but a guy that they move around and they, they, you know covered Tyree Kill again, as the boss said last night. So Stephon Gilmore, Jason McCourty, Jonathan Jones, and J.C. Jackson in that back. I mean, that is – we talk about build – through the secondary, when you've got four guys capable of covering and they have different skill sets so you can match yeah. up differently, it's just so tough. Plus, they've got good safeties and, you know, Jason, uh, Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, and uh, versatile linebackers. So they've got a lot to play with. They just seem to consistently outcoach the Steelers every time those two run up against each other. It's like the Steelers come in with a game plan and the Patriots have anticipated the game plan and taken it to another you know, level. Did you hear the, the halftime? You know, uh, Michelle Tafoya is like, hey, here's what we said. Here's what Mike, Bill Belichick said. Here's what Mike Tomlin said. Right. So Belichick comes out and he's like, yeah, you know, they change things up all the time. We're expecting them to change things up after they scored zero in the first half. Mm-hmm. And Mike Tomlin's like, oh, no, we're not going to change anything. We just need to execute better. Yeah. And then they scored three points in the second half. I, I honestly think that's the difference between those two as coaches, that Belichick is constantly thinking about, right, how do we change to match what they're doing? And Tomlin is one of those coaches that is just like, all of our deficiencies right now are a lack of execution. Yeah. It, it never seems to cross their mind that the reason you struggle to execute is because the team you're facing knows what you're doing and is making it harder by adjusting to it. And this isn't just a Tomlin thing. Like this, is a, this is a specific type of coach that thinks this way. It's like this system works. Therefore, right. when it's not working, we're just not executing correctly. It never seems to dawn on them that there, there's a reason that is. It's because other teams have figured out what you're doing and are making it harder to do what you want to do. I think that's so why they executing have executing becomes harder. They have they have some games where the Steelers' defense looks good. Yeah, and then there's games like we saw last year where it's like, why is a linebacker covering Keenan Allen eleven times? Why are they getting torched over and over with the and same that stuff? Happen again. Vince Williams is running deep down the field with Josh Gordon. Like that. Yeah. If that ever happens in the game, your system has been exposed. Now, you have two choices when that happens. You can continue to try and execute better and expect Vince Williams to cover that, or you can say, okay, that's a real problem. We need to make some changes. So it was actually um, opposite. The Patriots didn't exactly rush the passer great. Pittsburgh, actually, they did. They did win blocks up front, but again, the New England quick passing game, they got rid of the ball, and um, the difference was the Patriots covered well, extremely well on the back end. Pittsburgh did not. We had Cameron Kelly, AAF star. He was the coverage bust on uh, Dorsett's open touchdown. Uh, Terrell Edmonds back there. Joe Hayden beaten a couple times. So. Here's, here's the really interesting thing that I think sums up that. It, in theory, if things are going well for a defense, you're going to want your cornerbacks, i.e. the best coverage players you have, 
to be the guys that are targeted primarily the highest, right? I think things are going well if your cornerbacks are getting the most targets because those are your best coverage players. You want them to be tested. Right. You don't want linebackers and safeties to be tested because that means the ball is going towards players that you are not particularly comfortable with in coverage. And probably in the middle of the field where it's good for the offense. Exactly. The Steelers, their top targeted defenders, Devin Bush, the rookie, who actually did pretty well. Yep. Joe Hayden, okay, one cornerback. Then safety, Cameron Kelly, who played in the AAF, right? So that's already bad. Mark Barron, who isn't good. Uh, Mike Hilton, okay, slot corner. But we're now down to three targets, right? So the, the majority of the passes went to linebackers and a bad AAF safety. So we, we were coming into this saying, okay, what are the Patriots going to do offensively? And the answer is everything yes. again. I mean, they started the game with, what, four straight runs, I-formation, and it's like, all right. And then, they, and then before you know it, they're an empty all the time. They busted out this formation with uh, James White. Do you see this? James White and uh, Rex Burkhead mm-hmm. in like an offset eye in the gun. So they were putting them on the same side with two other receivers. So they have four receivers on the same side of the formation. That's going to be really tough to match up with. And then last year they were using Cordero Patterson as their jet sweep guy. All of a sudden you've got Brandon Bolden doing that. Josh Gordon's doing that. They just let everybody do the same thing. By the way, interchangeable. To contrast what I was just saying about the Steelers and where all their targets went, 27 targets went to Jason McCourty, Jonathan Jones, and Stephon Gilmore. So the top three corners of the Patriots saw 27 targets compared with like the highest non-Joe Hayden cornerback for the Steelers had three. So the Patriots were able to funnel all the targets to the players they want to be targeted. The Steelers were leaving linebackers and bad safeties exposed. All right, so that's it. I mean, the Patriots look good. Uh, Antonio Brown's coming in. Isaiah Wynn, you know, you think about the Patriots' question marks. Isaiah Wynn comes in and does pretty well in his first ever NFL action. He did look really good, but there's... There's a degree to which you're going up against Bud Dupree. I mean, come on. Bud had the class, so he had the one sack where Brady held the ball forever and yeah. took the red zone sack, and you know, so but they it's like, like nobody there were, you know, people out there going, "Oh, look, Isaiah Wynn's already one of the best." Like, dude, he's going up against a stooge. Like anybody's going to grade well going up against Bud Dupree. Give him I a couple missed, of weeks. I missed your in-season negativity. I'm just come on. If look. you guys are new here. I'm going to talk about a guy playing well, and then Sam's just going to tear him right down. He played well, but let's wait until he faces somebody that's actually capable of rushing the passer before we declare him amazing. Can we do well, that? This weekend, they Can got Miami. Can we do that? There. <sighs> All right, so I think enough on that. Domination in New England. Tom Brady's old, and you know he could still throw it a little bit, even though he missed a few, missed a few early. Can we, uh, can we go from one caveat performance to another? Yeah, go for it. Baltimore, right? Speaking 50, of Miami. 59-10 against the Miami Dolphins. Just they give, were like, give credit to Lamar Jackson before so, you tear him down. I'm going to do that. A, they were like 40 points up with like six minutes to go in the second half. Or the first half, rather. right? This was just unbelievable. So, look, we've been saying all offseason that overall, largely speaking, Lamar Jackson is not an accurate passer. He was yesterday. Absolutely was. He threw some fantastic passes, some touch passes, like whatever about missing guys or hitting guys generally. Like he was just lofting these perfect touch passes to guys in stride. That was about as well as you, as you can see Lamar Jackson play. He, he passed the ball phenomenally. He was three for three deep down the field in the middle for 155 yards and two touchdowns. And those were like not just accurate, but really perfect placement passes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they were. He looked they were good. phenomenal. And, of course, everybody's up in the Twitter mentions. They're like, oh, I thought he said he couldn't pass. I thought he was inaccurate. 
Like, well, this was it was one game against a team that is clearly bailed on the season. Half the defense called a raging and wants trade after this game. Like, okay, he played really well, but come on, we have to factor in the opposition here and say, let's wait until he faces. He hit all the throws. I mean, he was he defense. was fantastic. He hit all the throws. Right, and but this I was think, like a pro day. I mean, there there were I mean, there was a step. They had to step a separation down the field, and he put it on him. So, I mean, there's still more to see with Lamar. And, you know, the fact that he did it with his arms and, you know, did it with his arm and, you know, didn't, they didn't have to tap into his rushing ability. Zero design rushes. Right. Or one design rush. I mean, I have no problem saying he was absolutely phenomenal this week, but, like, this was, this Miami team was a joke. The thing is, Miami's, so this is one of the worst rosters we've seen in the NFL in recent years. But the guys that had the terrible grades who got torched yesterday on the defensive side, it's not like this offense looks horrendous, right? Especially with an up and down fits running it. But defensively, the guys who got torched, Eric Rowe has been a reasonable NFL player. Minka Fitzpatrick's their first rounder from the year before, who we thought would be pretty good, torched these guys. Right, but even that was like, look at the matchups you're putting. Like, Minka Fitzpatrick is a sort of safety cornerback hybrid, right? He's a big slot that can deal with tight ends flexed out. So instead, you match him up one-on-one with Marquise Brown, who's like 5'8", 185 pounds, and runs a 4'2". Like, that's just a terrible, terrible matchup for him. Like so you've you, got, at that point, I, I basically tweeted that. I was like, that's a horrible matchup for them, to which somebody replied, unless you're trying to tank. I was talking to, so, a quick aside. <laughs> I was talking to my wife, Kelly, last night about the whole, the, the whole tank thing. I'm like, yeah, you know, we, we believe in the tank here at PFF, right? We believe, you know, this might be a, a viable strategy. And she's over there trying to talk me out of it. She's like, you cannot grow that loser yeah. culture. Uh-huh. And so she's over there trying to say, look, you can't, you can't say, hey, be losers for two years and then instill a winning culture. Yes. And Neil can relate to that, right? I mean, I think that's probably true, but that doesn't mean somebody's not going to give it a shot. No, I know, but maybe, but maybe there's something to it. Maybe that, that there's something to the Browns yesterday where it's like it's really tough to come out of this lose, lose, lose mentality. And all right, guys, flip the, now we're a playoff team. Flip the switch and let's be good. It's got to be a challenge, right? Yeah. So... I mean that's why. And, and here's what, if they are doing that, half the half the roster wants out. And so that's the other part too, right? If you want to employ this tank because it is better for a two, three, four year strategy, and everybody's on board in the front office, it's a really tough sell to the players. Although there is something to be said for half these players aren't you? Know, like, listen, this is your only shot playing in the NFL. Yeah, like, I mean, you're not for you, a lot of them. Yeah, you know, not everybody. Of course, we said you know they still have Xavier Howard and they have Minka. They have they have players, but right. But if you're like a viable player on this defense. You want no part of what just happened yesterday. Yeah, but you're if like, you're like well, Julianne Davenport, you're not like, I'm going to walk. No, I know. I'm going to go find a job but somewhere I think else. The, I think the report was talking about defensive players in particular. They and just like, re-upped Jesse Davis for three years yeah. at tackle. He's never had a PFF grade over 56. Dude, there were some amazing offensive line performances yesterday. I want to know. As usual. So, uh, again, a quick aside. The Browns lost like uh, Greg Robinson got kicked out of the game for booting a guy in the head, which is pretty impressive. They then had his backup got injured. So they were down to like five linemen and no more. One more injury. This is like the emergency quarterback. You know, one more injury. The Falcons injury. had that a couple right. years ago. One more injury and the tight end is playing quarterback. Yeah. I, call the tight me, end's playing tackle. Call me a sadist, but I'm always up for that. I want to see that happen. I wanted to see. You wanted Baker to die. Like Miles Garrett playing tackle for the Browns. I he wanted to see the, whoever it is would come in to be option. the emergency offensive lineman. Do you. So. When, they, when Greg Robinson went down, they shelf up a line so that Hubbard went from right tackle to left tackle and the backup comes in. You're like the bad lineman is playing right tackle rather than left, right? 
So they're still of this opinion that you know, yeah. if you're going to have a really weak link, make it the right side, not the left. A lot of people are. Ironically, the safety, blind side from the right-hand side. You, yeah. you notice that? Well, we were talking. It was blindsided. Right. But, if, right. So, bad, but we were talking. The concept on that, too, was bad. Uh, so let's, if, let's wrap up. Let the me Ravens just ask quickly. Joker. If the next guy goes down, right, do you shuffle it so that the tight end coming in is now playing guard? Like where? Well, he can't handle power. One guy. I don't care what happens. There's one guy coming in. We need to stash a tight end as a five-man line. Yeah. Where do you want him playing? You take two tight ends and you make them one tackle. <laughs> so you go, you go twins. Double team every play on the right. So you tackle. go, you go right, you go right yes. tackle plus tight end. I like it at all times. This is why you should be GM. Let's wrap up Baltimore and Miami. All right. Um, so dominant performance by Baltimore. Yeah. We were asking coming into the year two, Baltimore's defense was going to be this. Um, you know, this great test case. They, they did rush the passer okay. Again, it's against Miami, but Earl Thomas has a pick. I mean, still, there's a lot of TBD here. Last year at this time, what, they went 40 to nothing against Buffalo yeah. at this time last year, and it was a dominant performance against Nathan Peterman. I, this, this is similar, but I think let's just wrap this up by saying tons of credit to Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Early favorite between him and Dak Prescott for our QB of the week. Mm-hmm. We'll see where the grades land. Caveat praise but praise nonetheless can i ask you a question that i hope you don't know the answer to because otherwise this will suck yeah. uh marquise brown right receiving stats five targets four catches 147 yards and two touchdowns Do you know how many snaps he played 17 14 wow <laughs> yeah he had 147 yards and so, 14 snaps i saw somebody else tweet about this but you've got guys around the league yesterday you had marquise brown speed receiver uh we mentioned philip dorsett who was not in the mentioned tweet but Philip Dorsett you know kind of undersized speed receiver John Ross was making plays Deshaun Jackson absolute game changer and was when we talk about the Eagles that was one of the reasons why I loved Carson Wentz this year and the Eagles offense this year because the offense can be stalled and then Deshaun Jackson can run by everybody it's an incredible weapon in today's NFL then when you look at how much teams are scheming guys into space same thing with you know, give me those big play running backs in space. Give me Austin Eckler. Yeah. Give me Marlon Mack. I mean, these guys that are playmakers at running back and, and at receiver are getting a lot of opportunities. Like, you know the way 15 yards per catch isn't a terrible return for most receivers? Like, it's kind of standard, right? He averaged 15 yards per snap. Per snap. Per, per, per route run. For every time he ran a route yesterday, he got 15 yards. I think that's going to regress. I would suspect so, yes. I think unless he, unless he's going up against Minka Fitzpatrick every week. All right. In which case, it might hold up. We already discussed a little bit about the Browns. They lose 43-13 to to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Really an odd game because, you know, I think... So Tennessee last year, there was a point. You remember they, they held the Patriots to 10 points, and they had these other games where they just made life difficult on opposing offenses. They've shown that defensively. When it's, you have Kevin Byard making plays and... They've shown that defensively before. This is one of those games, though, where 43-13, to 13, I don't think, accurately reflects the score. No, the, I, there was a lot. A this lot was a close game where the Browns got behind and then drowned in quicksand trying to, un, trying to dig themselves out of it. Like Baker Mayfield started throwing picks left and right, and suddenly things got out of control really quickly. Um, this was like the perfect anti-PFF game, by the way. If you were, So, you know, we do the picks thing where it comes out and we just take a stab at our picks, throw it up on social media for a little bit of fun. And just because all the analysts go one way doesn't necessarily mean we think that game's a blowout, right? It just means that everybody came right. down 55-45 in the same direction. Right. So this week, everyone went with the Browns, right? Universal with the Browns. And obviously they lose. And then Baker Mayfield 
starts throwing picks left and right, plays not great. And every, if, like, if you hate PFF, this was the game for you. Yeah, so I actually wanted to start the show with this because, you know, it's week one. So what we want to do is tell everybody where we were right all offseason. Hello, mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky, Chicago Bears, Adrian Amos. The, the season started off great for us. Yeah, over and then, week one. And then when Lamar has a great game and is accurate and Baker doesn't have a great game, which, that's just, it's just one game. Just one game. Let's just temper expectations. No, really. I mean, let's either way, let's not overreact to week one. My question for the Titans, we've seen this before. We've seen these really nice performances. You have Derrick Henry taking it 70-plus on a screen. Uh, Marcus Mariota made a few nice plays. There's still a lot of question marks for Tennessee, but they're just that good, solid team overall. Can they stack up these performances instead of, you know, one week on, one week off, and landing at 9-7 and seven for the fourth straight year? Yeah, and, you know, there were – there were ways where this was going to happen. You know, one of the questions we asked, or I think the thing that I wanted to see going into this game from the last podcast was, can the Browns block Cameron Wake? To no. which the answer was, to begin with, no. Once their tackles went down, really no. Really no, yeah. Um, and that became like a major problem. So, look, I... This was also an implosion by the Browns. Yes. 18 penalties, you've got... Right, which um, is like a record, by the way, since like 1950-something. It was, That's a it was lot bad. of penalties. So did we did we overlook, right? Did we did we focus so much on this paper team, the fact that the quarterback trumps everything over time. Mm-hmm. We think Baker's got got what it takes. You add Odell Beckham, but you've got this rookie head coach who wasn't even on head coaching radars two years ago, right? Was just kind of like a position coach hanging around, and now he's leading the team because he did help turn him around, you know, half a year last year. Is there something to that? Is there something to we were at training camp and they were starting fights every 10 minutes? And it's just like not having this full control of the program rather than calling plays. Look, because there's a difference between being offensive coordinator, you know, play caller or position coach and being the the voice and heart and soul of the team where the team follows you. I think this is a perfect candidate for let's not get too carried away yet. Okay, so right? we'll, we'll, we'll wait till week two to have that discussion. Yeah, I mean, the Browns were not good. Their defense was maybe more concerning than the offense because it, was, it looked like Greg Williams was still in charge and that there was some genuinely crazy stuff being attempted by this defense. The Derrick Henry screen down the sideline, the entire defense vacated. That was poor. Then, but it's like, it's basic stuff as well. Like, whatever about being fooled by the misdirection, like Joe Schobert went wandering halfway across the field when it could have been his guy. But then, like, the cornerback coming over does not even attempt. Like, there's ba- the number one basic thing for a cornerback. Like, rule, you know, number one when you're being taught fundamentals is when you're in space, fight to the sideline, right? Get outside of the guy trying to block you and force everything back inside. It might not make any difference, but at least you're slowing the guy up slightly and you're not just giving in the sideline to run down. I think it was... I think it was Ward on that sideline. I don't want to say that definitively because I haven't watched it again. But whoever the cornerback was was not even vaguely interested in trying to fight back to the sideline, which probably wouldn't have stopped the touchdown, but would have at least forced Henry back inside to where there were some people trying to run him down from behind. Right. They, did, they weren't interested in that. That happened multiple times in this game. Um, and then the other thing is I think it's difficult to overstate the impact of losing you know, two tackles in a game. Like, that's a problem for anybody. Yeah. When, you're, when you're starting tackles are already Greg Robinson, like it's bad. And I, I also think, like we talked about, when, when Robinson went out, they shifted Hubbard from the right side to the left side in a game 
Like that wouldn't be, I don't think, a great idea if they'd done it in the off season and gave him four months to prepare. Just saying, give it a shot. I mean, that's part of the reason why you don't want to flip a guy because right. I mean, the old linemen aren't wrong when they say how tough it is to flip from one side side to the other. It just it usually takes yeah. time. So you so take a full, you know, normal right tackle. You start it off with a b- bad left tackle and an okay right tackle. You then move the right tackle to left tackle and make him a bad left tackle. The guy who came in at right tackle was a bad right tackle. It, like you're just at this point, both of your tackle spots are an unmitigated disaster, and you're going up against Cameron Wake and Harold Landry. Like that's an automatic problem waiting to happen, and it did happen. You know, to the tune of safeties and the like. Yeah. Now Baker Mayfield was at least partly responsible for that, but the point is that was coming. The play call on the safety. We were talking about it in uh, one of our you know, review chats as we were looking through the game and everything like that. It was a very it was kind of like what we talked about Kyler's safety in the preseason. You've yeah. got these all these deep routes. There's no outlet, and he's just sitting in the middle of the end zone. Very right. risky, and um, just not just I, not good. I did like that it came from the blind side on the right, though. Did come from the blind side on the right. All right, so um, next game. What do we got? Let's circle back to Thursday night real quick. Okay. Um, do you want to try to go faster now? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot to talk about though. Packers Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, we we joke about oh a victory lap blah 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 but um, Trubisky looked pretty much the same as last year. This is one of those where a lot of people were like, "Hey, Mike Pettin." We always debate, you know, is it bad offense or is it good defense? This was bad offense, I think, at least for the bear on the Bears side. Yeah, um, well, Bears offensively because we Trubisky looked exactly as he did last year. He just wasn't bailed out by well schemed plays that that created yards and touchdowns. Week one, I think, is very easy to get caught up in confirmation bias. Basically, whatever you saw week one, I'm only interested if it reflects what I thought anyway. And if it didn't, then it's only week one. Okay, let's go clean slate. Let's pretend. Let's forget our priors, as they say. Right. So Trubisky wasn't good. Um, he had multiple terrible passes thrown right to defenders, most of which weren't caught by the defenders. Yep. So again, his statistics looked a little bit better than he actually played, which never helps. He zipped a nice back shoulder in there. So here's the thing with Trubisky, and this is what... Did re- have a couple of nice plays in there. He did. Here's what, here's what happened with the grade last year, too. It wasn't all like dink and dunk, because he did throw the ball down the field, but he threw a lot of 50-50 balls, mm-hmm. which are really 20-80 balls. So when Allen Robinson comes up with 20 out of 80 of them, you know, 2 out of 8 or whatever, if it's one of the games where it's a 2, one of the 2, it look, the stats look good. If it's, the, you know, the incompletions, they don't look good. That was the other day. A lot of 50-50 balls... 2080 balls where Gabriel can't stay in bounds and Al- Robinson can't stay in bounds. So they're just not being completed this time. But so those are those are wide receiver dependent plays. My takeaways from this game were one, the Chicago defense still looked nasty even without Vic Fangio. Very good. There. They looked very good. We've been calling for them to regress in yeah. the offseason because just statistically it's likely, but they didn't look to have yet. So that's great for them. Yep. Two, poor Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson now for about seven years has been dealing with Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, and Trubisky. Like, that's just sad. Yeah. Like, you've got, quarter, like you've got receivers out there. Julio Jones had Matt Ryan for basically the entirety of his career just dealing, right? Albeit not yesterday. But, Allen's really good. Right. I mean, he's had it made, right? Now he's got himself a giant guaranteed contract. Allen Robinson has been dealing with this who's who of – like, maybe this year. Maybe this is the year he stops playing like crap and actually justifies what we thought about him. And never. New England. Never happens. They'll find a way to Poor use Allen it. Robinson. Let's and then the other, th- my last takeaway sorry. was, I, so I think that the, the lack of offense for Chicago was sort of 50-50. It was bad offense, and it was really good Green Bay defense. The secondary in particular, Jair Alexander, 
Darnell Savage looks really good. He does look I good. really like yeah, Savage. I, credit, I, I, want, I do want to give credit to that Green Bay defense. Yeah. Because they got those. I think that was like 50-50. I mean, the offense was bad. The scheme was weird. Like the idea of moving Tariq Cohen as a, to be like a slot receiver. A legit receiver. Yeah, he played they, in the slot 40-something snaps. They did some interesting formationing. They had the, the trio set where they had yeah, three yeah. stacked receivers. They also had a lot of formations. So Trey Burton, their tight end, their starting tight end was out. Mm-hmm. Adam Shaheen, the backup, who's just kind of, you know, wasn't as big and athletic, I think, as people thought coming out. Well, he was big. He just wasn't as athletic. Yeah. But he was the isolated um, receiver on a, in a, a lot. And you, that's what the Panthers used to do, or do a lot with Greg Olson. And usually you feature that guy. And the only thing I remember from Shaheen was a little six-yard quick out, which, by the way, he, ca- he catches it. It gets knocked down. The ball's sitting in bounds, and he's fighting to say that he caught it. He was arguing to the refs to say that I caught it and fumbled it, and it's just sitting in bounds, which is probably not smart to do. It was incomplete. Um, anyway, it was, it was interesting formationally. I, Matt Nagy did not have one of those games where it's like, oh, here, here, he, here he is putting Trubisky in a great situation to succeed. Of course, Adrian Amos, the guy that, Bears fans don't think is good, um, has the clinching yeah. interception. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers also did not look very good he did. in the new offense. He had the one spectacular downfield throw, um, you know, 48 yards, 51 yards in air, whatever it was, really chucked it, put it um, on his receiver. That was nice. Everything else was, you know, you know, his footwork's never really looked great, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, His footwork was bad, and the accuracy was bad on the short area stuff. He had one of the worst accuracy percentages. It was like 30%. Which, you know, the NFL average is about uh, 58, 60. I'm just talking like actual ball location that we charted. It was horrendous. Plus, he, was, he got sacked five times. The blocking wasn't great. But, you know, he always finds this way to maybe yeah, he didn't take look a good. too many. He had he a negated fumble. He did at least put the ball in the middle of the field, which is something he hasn't done that much. Previously. He did. And we talked about him not making, you know, risky throws. He had a risky back across the right. field throw that should have been picked. It was an offensive pass interference. So, I mean, and then that one for deep ball that was pretty absurd where he's like, Looking over here, that deep ball was crazy. Yeah, blasted out that's that what, direction. That, that was a, that was a great throw. So, um, definitely want to see those teams in different environments, right? Because you know the the Packers don't have to go up against the Bears defense every week, and maybe the Packers defense is legit. I think it is. Yeah. So, can we then go to Minnesota, where um, Mike Zimmer's perfect game unfolded? Yes, we've been talking. You know, all off season. Everybody from from the analytics community, if you want to dub it all in one broad stroke, has been like, running game doesn't matter, pass more. <laughs> Mike Zimmer all the way has been like, we want to establish the run. Unless you have Dalvin Cook, then you can do it. So <laughs> we want to establish the run. So they had a game where they stomped the Falcons, and uh, Kirk Cousins attempted, what, 10 passes? 10. 10 passes. 11 dropbacks, I believe. Um, and they just ran all over them. And the ironic thing is that – their offensive line didn't even play particularly well. In fact, it got kind of abused by multiple Falcons defenders, but it didn't matter because Dalvin Cook was Dalvin Cook and kept squirting through those gaps, finding the edge in these outside zone plays and rattling off big gains. This is, this is one of those things. Here's what's going to happen this week on you know, Sirius XM NFL Radio, of, of which we're a part, or on your sports radio and stuff like that. It's going to be like, what's going on? With, the Vikings won it, won the game in the trenches. Yeah. You know, they established the run. They kept running. And they won the game in the trenches. But when you go, you know who won the game in the trenches? Like Baltimore. You know, the teams that legitimately, like, blocked well. Yeah. Minnesota didn't necessarily block well. They ran well mm-hmm. and efficiently, right? So, again, the PFF grading, you get your premium stats and you can check it out. And when you see good running back grades 
like Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison will have, and then poor run-blocking grades, you could say, okay, in this particular game, the running backs went above and beyond. Then there's other games where the run-blocking is pretty good and the running back doesn't do great. And overall, the ba- overall the num- in, the, in macro terms, the numbers say that the run-blocking the run part of this is more important, right? If you're right. over the long term, if you have better run blocking, that will create you more rushing success than better running from the running backs. But in specific individual games, because you're talking about like 40 plays, the reverse can happen where the run blocking is terrible. The running back finds a way to make chicken soup out of or what is it? Chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yes. That's what happened here. Dalvin Cook created a lovely uh Chicken Caesar salad out of, what, he's awesome. out of what the Vikings offensive line dumped in front of him. Because as I tweeted, he's just as good as Gurley or Zeke. You tweeted better, didn't you? Better than. Better than. Eh, yeah. That was extreme. I you said were. better than. So Kirk Cousins passes 10 times. Matt Ryan looks pretty poor. Uh, the Falcons. So the other thing about Cousins, he did drop back more than 10 times. There was like 9 million. Every time I looked up, there was a holding penalty yes. in the secondary. So it was more than 10 times. But He dropped um, some dimes in there as well. He did. Yeah, when he did have to throw. I mean, this was like... 1948 football, right? Like you're gonna, you've got ten passes, and you drop in two or three big time throws, and like you're golden. Like this is Army Navy football here. This is what Mike Zimmer wants every single week. Th- like so th- if this was what happened every week. He would be in hogs heaven. This is nothing he wants more than this. My prediction is this is going to be really tough to sustain, yeah. and this is the same thing that I. This was the, the the poster child for this last year was the Seattle Detroit game, where you know Russell Wilson only threw 17 times or whatever it was, and Seattle ran 42 times. If Minnesota continues to try to achieve this and Dalvin isn't spectacular after contact and making guys miss, yeah, then you could have some ugly right. I mean, offensive he's performances. Just, as we said, the longer term without the blocking, it's really hard for running backs to have that kind of success. Now, Dalvin Cook just bugged it for one week. Can he do it again? Because that's really not easy to sustain. Devondre Campbell, Isaiah Oliver, Keanu Neal, and Ricardo Allen all had their own penalty. Isaiah Oliver was a big question mark coming in. How are they going to cover opposite Desmond Trufant? He was not very good. So, uh, so still question marks in the back end for Atlanta. One thing we really, or I really screwed up, was suggesting that Julio Jones was going to go off against this bevy of Minnesota cornerbacks because the mismatch was just too big heading into the week. Now, one, were, again, the week one is like, it's like people live for gotcha on Twitter. Everyone's like, have oh. you been attacked on Twitter? Because I, I don't. I just get away from social media. I, I throw said, tweets uh, out there on Sundays, and I just leave. Thought you said Xavier Rhodes was done. He wouldn't be able to go up against Julio. Well, there was one target of Julio's eleven were against Xavier Rhodes. The rest were against everybody else. So eleven targets, six catches, thirty-one yards, and a touchdown. The touchdown was in garbage time. There was a pick going that way. Basically, Matt Ryan was a under pressure a ton, and b even when he wasn't, was throwing insane passes. Um, so it was, you know, the Vikings defense overall did an extremely good job, but I don't think you can point to any one cornerback and say that guy right. dominated Julio one-on-one because that didn't happen. Um, was the dome open, by the way? Do they even, do they ever open that thing? Isn't they do. just one of those things they that's capable right? of? Because I'm just wondering if that affected Matt Ryan. Also, it's not like they open the roof, right? It's like a, it's like the side awning, isn't it? That comes open for that thing, like a door, like know. a big glass door at the end. Does that make a difference? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. The Falcons' old line is an issue. Yeah. And um, What happened to Chris, Jake Matthews? Chris Lindstrom got hurt. Matthews has always been like solid, 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 and then he, you know, he had some bad games like he did yesterday. Ty Sambrello was bad when he came in. So, anyway, a lot of question marks. 
with Atlanta in some key spots. Let's discuss first uh, Philadelphia and Washington. Okay. This was coming into the season. I said, man, I don't know how you're going to cover the Eagles. Mm. You got the big guys outside. You got the best offensive line. They graded really well. Um, but, you know, Alshon Jeffrey was there. Wentz looked good overall, zipping the ball outside the numbers. But then they're doing some good stuff with Deshaun Jackson, putting him in the slot, running slot verticals, and the type of stuff that creates coverage busts, right? You see the good schemes will take guys and just, you know, switch them off the line of scrimmage and all these different things to, you know, just create um, a little bit of indecision. But Deshaun Jackson running behind the defense just adds such an element to this offense. We've got the tight ends that can line up everywhere. Dallas Goddard almost hauled in a really nice pass up the sideline, got knocked free by Monte Nicholson. I, I just think the Eagles are going to be an issue. You see uh, Terry McLaurin's numbers? Yeah. Really good. Yeah, I know. My guy. I saw the game. One of my guys. That's one of your guys. Yeah. Um, so what, what struck me as weird in this game was how long it took the Eagles to discover that Deshaun Jackson runs like four-tenths of a second faster than anybody on the Washington defense. Yeah. And if you just run him deep down the field, he's going to be open by five yards pretty much every single play. Stuff will happen. Like, you got him matched up with Josh Norman multiple times. Josh Norman probably runs like a 4-8, 40 at this point. Like, just send him deep. Carson Wentz has the arm. Just uh, don't. Yeah, Wentz dropped a diamond. On why that overthink first deep this touchdown. thing? Right? It's just, just like remember we talked before, where when Patrick Mahomes or even Alex Smith, when he looked up and Tyreek Hill was one on one on the outside, that's where the ball is going because like it's a it's a massive mismatch. And if I'm vaguely accurate with the pass, it's going to be a huge play. That that's Deshaun Jackson against the entire Washington defense. Look up if he's one on one, throw him the ball because he's going to be open by five yards. That why did it take them to like halftime to figure that out? I don't know, Sam. Anyway, now once, they know. once they did, it worked quite well. Now they know. Uh, three-headed monster in the backfield, Darren Sproles, Miles Sanders. Each had 10 carries. Jordan Howard had six. So anyway, I think the Eagles are going to be really tough to match up with. Plus, you've got that, we'll call it the analytical advantage that they have going forward on fourth and one in their own territory yeah. to help spark the comeback. That was really interesting yesterday. Like Obviously, the Eagles have been publicly pretty on the the cutting edge of this stuff they go for the smart mathematical times to go for it on fourth down there were other teams that really didn't like there were other teams out there making some ridiculous calls including ones where you would have thought in isolated terms oh they must be at the forefront of this kind of thinking oh arizona they made. right kingsbury so right? arizona two scores down need the two don't go for it the first time right which now okay they they made it in the end when they did but you put you back you box yourself you box yourself into a corner by not going it for explain a, again because if so you're down um 15 right you're down 15 which so means you know you need, need a two point conversion and an extra point you at need some point. two touchdowns the extra point and a two point conversion so the debate or the the traditional football way of doing this is you don't go for the two until you absolutely have to right, right. so we save it for the end but the math says you go for two the first time because if you don't get it you can still go for two the second time and still rescue the game. And it's well, it's not even the math; it's that you just well, it's you know, though. but it's it's just the game flow. You know what you have to what you have to achieve, right? Right. So if you don't get it the first time, yes, it feels uncomfortable being down nine, but it's way more uncomfortable being down two with no time left in in the game. That's that's the difference. So if you don't get it initially, you're like, all right, now I need two scores. We need to play the game to get two scores. If you get, don't get it with 15 seconds left in the game or whatever the it is, over. the game is literally right. over. You have to get you know an onside kick, 
which is a 6% chance, yes. and then a Hail Mary, which yeah. is a 1% chance. That's the point, is you, you go for it as early as possible so that you have as much information as humanly possible, and right. you can do something about it. If you wait until the last attempt, it's all or nothing, and that's just a worse way of doing it. So this game had a, you know, so it ends up as a tie, 27-27 Detroit in Arizona. Kyler Murray started off bad, really poor, just looked uncomfortable, tried to essentially throw one away, spectacular interception. Uh, Tracy Walker along the sideline by Detroit. Um, Kyler leads a bit of a comeback. I wonder if we were so focused on the schematics and what are they going to do and just overlook the fact that, you know, Justin Murray's playing right tackle for them. Yeah, and, you know, just the, just the um, the the roster. Some of the they picked number lines. one overall for a reason. Yeah. Some of the offensive lines in the NFL in week one are amazingly terrible. I tweeted that I think there's three offensive lines that have an argument to be the worst offensive line we've ever seen on paper heading into a season and Arizona isn't one of them yeah like still not their offensive line is bad and it's not one of the three that I think might be the worst we've ever seen heading into a season and, and even their defensive and then, front yeah. is it's not like they've got I mean Terrell Suggs tore it up he he rushed the passer really well Taylor Decker really struggled at left tackle for the Lions, but you've got Terrell Suggs and Chandler Jones, two guys getting after it. But beyond that, you've got Rodney Gunter playing 59 snaps, rookie Zach Allen, third rounder, playing 62 snaps. And we liked him, but Joe, Joe Walker's playing 36. I mean, it's just a mish, mishmash of players mishmash. right now. Yeah. I mean, I, there's some, this is not a good roster, but I think, I don't know. It, the first look at that scheme was interesting because it didn't look. Like, obviously, they're doing things in a different way with this whole 10, 11 personnel, spreading everything wide. But it didn't look like a traditional college air raid offense. Like, they're not able to do yeah. what colleges are in terms of lineup, predetermine where the ball is going based on the coverages. I think NFL coverages and NFL defenses are too sophisticated for you to essentially predetermine anything. So you have right. to adjust this offense, and that seems to slow it down. Like, they're still very quick snap to snap. I think they were the fastest in terms of just getting plays off, but it slows down what you want to do because you can't just line up and say, right, there's where the ball's going, and just bam, every single play. You actually have to go through these reads and figure out what's happening, and that seems to, like, it kind of negates the biggest selling point of this offense. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Dallas in a second. We talked about New England earlier. I think the best NFL offenses aren't, they're not necessarily static. Even though Sean McVay used 11 personnel all last year, but he, he mixes up, you know, tight formations. Why? I mean, they just mix everything up, right? You, you split tight guys wide, and you, you just you mix a lot. Of, so there's not it's not just being static. Here's ten personnel and go. There's got to be some creativity behind it as well. So still a still a lot to see with Arizona. I want to see Kyler take a step forward. On the other side, Matthew Stafford was really good for the majority of the game. Very efficient. T.J. Hawkinson looks really really good at tight end as well, running those deep crossers and creating separation. But Stafford almost, I mean, it was one of the worst throws of the week. With five seconds left, he puts it right into the Cardinals' hands. And if they caught it, they get a field goal attempt to win it. It should have been a tie. No questions asked. Stafford, that was a bad, bad decision. That kind of, you know, didn't show up in the stat sheet. Passer rating of 110 still. Yeah. But um, that was one of the worst throws ever. For the record, if you're keeping score, 1987 and 2019 are the same. They're tied. Nothing's changed. They're tied. Um, Detroit, they've got the big lead. But they still ended up running the ball 32 times for 116 yards. And that's what you want. I mean, three of those were Stafford for 3-22. and 22. I mean, you've got Kerryon Johnson going 16 for 49, 3.1 per carry. C.J. Anderson, 3.2 per carry. 
if you're just that inefficient on 30 plays, it's tough. Because the best the best way to protect your defense is by scoring more points. And it if is. Detroit just scored a few more points, this was their game to win. Like, best player on the field for this game might have been Devon Kennard. Got an absolute ton of pressure against that, you know, bad. He's always been an interesting regardless. hybrid player that I think a, a, a Patriots-like scheme, a Patricia scheme could take advantage of. So, yeah. I mean, pretty good defensive effort overall by Detroit because of what they did early on. Um, so, right. a tie. Yeah. Um, let's talk Dallas here because this was just classic. This was like Kellen Moore. Because here's what I said before the season. I think Kellen Moore, if 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 Dak Prescott has a spectacular season, does it say more about Dak or more about Kellen Moore? And I really think, not to take anything away from Dak because he was really good yesterday, but I really think Kellen Moore is going to put him in position to succeed. Because if you're just looking at the stat sheet, it's like, all right, the first touchdown, play action, tight end up the seam, I mean, Dak almost missed it. It was so wide open. And then another play action, Jason Witten wide open in the flat. Now, when Dak had to throw the ball down the field, perfect. He was pinpoint throwing the ball down the field. But early on, he missed. You know, he was a little off early on. So it wasn't like perfect across the board. He just had so many better opportunities. And this was, they had the second highest amount of play action this week. Mm-hmm. It was like Kellen Moore was not re- I mean he was just he's in like he's like he's on Twitter talking uh, football analytics with everybody and just responding accordingly. I would be pretty excited if I was a Dallas fan because for years they've been complaining about Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan and all of the just stale coaching and scheme on the offensive side of the ball and all of this idea of you know do you pay Zeke do you pay Dak what do you, you know do we get Amari Cooper in to fix things like it's all just kind of rearranging things it's not actually solving the problem which is this the fundamentals of what we're trying to do here isn't really working um then kellen moore comes in and suddenly it looks like a guy who gets it and he's doing the right things and we're not gonna just run zeke into hell every time we get the ball forever like he, he only had like 13 carries or something yeah um, the same number as tony pollard ironically right. Um, I mean, w- this game was flowing, and play again. People are like, "Oh, play action worked because Zeke was in the backfield." Like, please. The first touchdown was Tony Pollard in the backfield, and there wasn't anybody near Blake Jarwin. Now, I don't know how bad this Giants defense is. We thought that they really were bad, bad, right? So again, there's this give and take, right? Right. This is almost Miami levels of come on. But I want to give Dallas full credit for 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 the script, right? When you see the good offense rolling, it's like, all right, play action first down and then it's like all right a lot of play callers will settle in okay let's just take a little break and take a run and then it's like play action again and then stay on him again and then run in you know spread to run in in second and third and short there's like this rhythm and flow that Dallas had yesterday that was fantastic also they talked all offseason about John Kitna being in the room helping Dak with his mechanics and stuff like that that's where he missed a few early but he didn't, I don't think he missed after the second quarter. He came back, you know, it was like a backside dig, and he hits it and all this stuff. Feet were nice and, you know, being able to um, go from one to two and uh, from, you know, progression standpoint. So there's a lot to be encouraged with um, in Dallas. We just mentioned, okay, Dak is one of those mid-tier quarterbacks where if you give him the environment, he can do it, right? Because he can do a little bit with his legs. They mix that in a bit. Michael Gallup looks like that classic really good number two that we thought he could be coming out of college. Amari Cooper is a number one. You're scheming tight ends open. Mm-hmm. Jason Witten still six yards if, in if, a cloud of dust. If, if linebackers just like took a couple of steps wide 
Jason Witten would never catch a pass. The goal he seems to catch is four yard outs. But they've got tight ends that can be schemed open, a really good offensive line, and then Zeke can be the closer after the pass game wins it like they did yesterday. That's really well set up. Also, their defense has a lot of playmakers in the back seven. I mean, Dallas is legit because of all these pieces. I think Dak can have a, have a huge year because of everything around him. What was, uh, I think it was PFT commenter, had a great line about Witten. There was something like Witten finally gets to make, a, make some solid points on the field. <laughs> oh, there you go. Jason. Jason Witten was finally able to make some legitimate points on TV. This was after scoring his touchdown. I mean, the Giants' defense, though, is rough. We said their pass rush would have some uh, questions. Nobody got pressure. No. I mean, their edge defenders, one pressure on 46 rushes between Lorenzo Carter and Marcus Golden. Yeah. That's it. All right. We've got to start firing through some games. We're going to rapid fire, Steve. This is, this is taking a long time. There's a lot to talk about. Rams at Panthers. We always like to talk about Cam Newton ad nauseum. This was a classic Cam Newton game. Bad. He made some nice throws, and then he had a chance to make a comeback. He, every time the offense got in rhythm, he would miss an easy throw. Hi. He had an open, wide open go ball for Curtis Samuel. He talked about scheming it up and switch routes and everything. Missed him during the fourth quarter comeback. And then he misread Corey Littleton underneath linebacker for a bad pick. Man, Cam just left a lot of plays on the table. It's, all, it's like every single play he misses, he misses high. How, why can you not recalibrate that? I don't understand. Just aim lower. Let's not have this discussion again. Um, I don't know. But Corey Littleton had a huge game for that Rams defense. Kind of underrated coverage linebacker. Played really well last year in coverage. Same thing. Um, had a forced fumble. Had the pick. Stuck with McCaffrey on a couple routes, on option routes. And they're just feeding McCaffrey yeah. on that underneath stuff. They're, they're splitting him out wide and giving him option routes and all that stuff. So if you're a McCaffrey fantasy guy, I think you're, I think you're in good hands. He'll be getting, you know. 10 or 12 targets per week. In addition but to the carries. Cam needs to play better. Um, Jared Goff wasn't much better, um, if at all. He had a bad interception late, but um, they didn't have any of those like spectacular plays off of play action. It was, an, it was just a meh pass game, I'd say, for the, for the Rams. Gurley, D- Gurley ran the ball well, though. DJ Moore has also got to stop fumbling after the catch. Like The number of yeah. those he has for like one of his most dangerous assets is what he can do after the catch. But if every time... He does that. Somebody punches the ball out. It's going to be a problem. Not good. Also, Eric Weddle looked like he was looked like he come back from Vietnam. Did you see, like he McCaffrey like took flight at some point and ends up like kneeing him and then maybe eye gouging him in the head as he go flies over the top of Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle is lying on the ground with like blood streaming off his head. They end up getting a cart which was so long it looked like a hearse, like a hearse cart. Um, to stretch Eric Weddle off, I don't think there was anything major wrong with him. It was just, you know, head injuries bleed a lot. Hmm. Um, like he was in the locker room tweeting about it shortly afterwards. That's but good. it looked pretty, looked pretty horrendous for a minute. Rams running backs did uh, play well. Malcolm Brown, 11 carries, 53 yards, two scores, forced five missed tackles. The run blocking itself, this was another game where the run blocking wasn't great, but the running backs were pretty good. So, again, week one, sometimes things work. Against the sample. Brown, almost as many carries as Todd Gurley. Yeah. A lot of uh, split backfields here around the NFL. Buffalo, that's Zeke and Todd Gurley being eased into the action over these last two games we covered. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. It looked like the Bills were hopeless. Four turnovers, some ugly turnovers. But they end up holding on. This is where the Bills Bills can win ugly. 
because they do have this defense that can keep them close. How is it possible that this division is somehow even more only the Patriots and everybody else sucks than ever before? I don't know. Like, th- I mean, it's always been the like defenses that. are solid though. This is amazing. they just don't have the offenses to compete. Like this game was depressing at times for just how inept the offenses were, um, and even like the go ahead with the Bills. It's like, ah, oh, there's Josh Allen finally getting it done. It was like a five-yard underthrown pass to John Brown. who That wasn't a great pass. That was just bad corner play by right. your boy, Darrell I mean. Roberts. Yeah. That was bad. Who, To be fair, this was one of those ones where, like, the pass is so badly underthrown that as a corner, you, like, unless you're actually looking for the ball at that point, you're screwed because you're not going to adjust, and the receiver is, and the adjustment needed is so significant you're going to look like an idiot. Yeah, Josh Allen had a passer rating of 53 from a clean pocket yesterday. Not uh, First interception, certainly not on him. Not everything was on him, um, but Allen overall wasn't great because of the fumbles and everything. Um, so Ed Oliver looks really good. Ed Oliver looking fantastic. Uh, Buffalo got a whole bunch of pretty good performances. It was just like Harrison Phillips played pretty well. Jordan Phillips played pretty well. Shaq lost, and they got performances from everybody. Trent Murphy... Um, so it's an interesting defense in Buffalo. The Jets, so same thing we're saying with the Lions, right? Why can't they, they've got this you know, pretty big lead, and they've got this dink and dunk passing game averaging 4.3 yards per attempt. Darnold uh, threw six, seven, nine passes. Nine out of his 41 were beyond 10 yards, um, and he completed three of them for 20 yards. So yeah. 20 yards of his 175 came at 10-plus yards down the field. I don't think of him as a conservative dink and dunk type of quarterback so I don't know if this is he showed this at times last year but eventually they opened it up and he looked pretty good down the stretch I think they have to do a little bit more I don't know if this is Adam Gase remember Gase last year had Tannehill and short pass game and man this is another team where the offensive line is probably going to be an issue for them Um, there are names there but nobody's playing well like Ryan Khalil may be an upgrade of what they had the last couple of years but Ryan Khalil is bad right now like Five he may be, yesterday. He may be veteran and savvy and understand how to make the line calls and stuff, but right now he's a bad football player. Yeah. So the upgrade over what they've had the past couple of seasons is literally just being able to make sure everybody's the line calls are correct. Like You didn't upgrade physically on that offensive line. You upgraded mentally. And around him, it's not great either. So another team where the offensive line is going to be causing them problems. Uh, Le'Veon? Pretty good running the ball. So this was the opposite, right? He actually had a pretty good grade, only three and a half yards per carry, forced nine missed tackles on 17 attempts, and he, they did a nice job creating the mismatch in the red zone for a touchdown. Um, so a lot, a lot still to learn about these two teams, but I think the Bills steal one for this week. Man, there's a lot of games to still go through. Yeah. Casey Jacksonville. Foles the, goes down. Broken collarbone. I'm real sad about that. I just I wanted to watch Foles play football. And this you can possibly be sad about that because that means Mustache Minshew. Minshew looked be, really good. He's going to be playing games. Minshew was dealing. Right. He's How like, can you not want to see? He's like 26 for 28 if you give credit for his drops. <laughs> How can you not want to see Minshew for more? He's interesting because he was one of the guys, our analytics guys, without just without they're not watching film but they're taking our film analysis our grades and they're saying Gardner Minshew's an interesting guy. He he's he's good in our projections. You know, um keep an eye on him. And here he is. 6th round. Something right? like that, yeah. 6th round, pick number 178. 13 picks. No, I'm sorry. 19 picks ahead of Tom Brady. 
Wow. 21 picks ahead of Tom Brady. Mm. Do some math. He has a better mustache, though. He does. Tom wouldn't Way better. a mustache like that. So Minshew's, you know, let's see what he can do. And as I was just saying, in this in this world where you want to get these nice, fast, elusive running backs into space because they can make plays in today's NFL, uh-huh. you don't want them to be Leonard Fournette. No, you don't. No. No. You don't. don't want that. No. It's like, hey, look, there's Leonard Fournette in space. Hmm. He's going to fumble or fall. No, he had his first fumble yesterday. But, um, yeah, he's not great. But he's not going to really um, do anything. Yeah. Um, Jack's defense, though, was was bad. Miles Jack, he, had, he only played 20 snaps before he got thrown out. I mean, he got torched by Travis Kelsey on a play. He lost his mind. Ronnie Harrison was struggling with multiple penalties. Did you see how he was being escorted from the field? Oh, yeah, he like, was upset. There was a guy assigned to essentially hold onto his arm so that he didn't throw more punches. He was upset. Like, literally, a guy, like, two arms wrapped around his, like, holding him like this and walking him from the field so he couldn't punch anybody else. Like, what? I, I, I don't understand. You... You punched somebody multiple times right in front of the ref. What did you think was going to happen? This was, um, yeah, this was an ugly performance by the Jags defense. I mean, you're talking, so Patrick Mahomes statistically was ridiculous, and he really didn't play that well. Like, c- compared, comparatively, he played okay. 25 for 33 for 378 and three touchdowns, passer rating of 143. He had the you know little pass over the ball to Sammy Watkins that he takes for 70-plus yards. They're running screens to fullbacks. I mean, there was just... A lot going on here. Mahomes is still great, but he had a bad fumble in the pocket, a couple other um, easy misses and stuff. That's the scary thing about this Kansas City offense. Tyree Kill only played, what, 13 snaps, 12 snaps? So Mahomes didn't even play that great, and they still scored 40. Sammy Watkins comes out of nowhere. Not out of nowhere. I mean, he's starting to live up to his hype in one game with almost 200 yards and three scores. That's what makes this Kansas City offense yeah, really I mean, scary. They're one of those offenses where it's now like, what do you take away? Because, okay, if we can slow down Tyreek Hill or Tyreek Hill goes down injured, like they, they're one of these offenses that are perfectly capable of beating you with the second, third, and fourth guy in the, in the threat level. Right. Which makes it really hard to stop because most teams, most defenses' game plan is to take away the first option and then deal with the consequences. They're just like, okay, fine. Have fun with Sammy Watkins, and then Watkins goes out there, dominates, eviscerates Jalen Ramsey on Pretty a move after the catch, just waltzes away into the end zone. Like they just gashed the Jags. Uh, Mahomes had only thirty percent of his yards come through the air, so seventy percent about came after the catch. Second high, second highest in the league behind um, Mariota. There were some week. huge receiving numbers this year or this, this week, week, rather. Yeah, I mean you've got Marcus Mariota stealing. You know, he had 70% after the catch because of that big screen and everything. So just add in some context, Kansas City's offense remains awesome. But Jacksonville's defense was really concerning. Can't wait to see Minshew. Um, perhaps the most inflated uh, QB performance was Phillip Rivers. Because his three touchdowns were just Eckler screen and wide open pass in the flat and a jump ball. Melvin Eckler? Yeah. So they don't need him. Um, what they do need is better tackle play from Trent Scott. At that's, left tackle, that's probably not going to happen. And Sam Tevy, yeah, also probably not going to happen. Again, this is one of those offensive lines that, on paper, looks horrendous. Trent Scott, 2018 undrafted free agent from Grambling State. The NFL does have a tackle problem. Yeah, it's funny. Like Melvin Gordon was tweeting during this game that, like, oh, there's my boy Austin Eckler getting his. Like, this is the worst thing in the world this for you. This is bad for you. Shh, don't draw teammate. attention to it. Eckler caught all six of his targets for 96 yards and two scores. 
Like, instead of holding out for a greater sum of money, it turns out that Melvin Gordon's actually agreed to take a pay cut just to get himself back in the league because yeah. his job is being shown up to be not that valuable. So I do think this is a, a good example of, in today's NFL, get the ball to your playmakers, and they can create offense, even if you have a bad offensive line and if you just have a distributor at quarterbacks. So you have Keenan Allen, Eckler, Hunter Henry, Travis Benjamin, all these different guys that can win in different ways. Makes me feel good about the Chargers' offense going forward. How about that interception by Malik Hooker? That was that was absurd. That was utterly ridiculous. Nothing sums up Malik Hooker like the one-handed interception and then coming up in the alley and just yeah. whiffing on a tackle but on the next even, play. That was like the. It's hard to know which part of that whole one-handed interception to like better. Just the being able to make that catch one-handed is absurd. The break on the ball in the red zone might be even better. Yeah, like. In the red zone, the field is truncated. You don't have space. You don't have the time to make those plays because the ball has less distance to travel. So you just don't have the time to make that happen. He was able to close five-plus yards of lateral distance, cut in front of it one-handed, snatch the ball out, save a touchdown. That was an incredible play. Jacoby Brissett played pretty well. Um, We mentioned Marlon Mack earlier. He had that spectacular long run, really well-blocked play. Um, I I just want big play running backs, man. I want big play running backs because if the NFL's not great, I've been holding my pen for a while. Yeah. It was due to fall. It's just too much. If the NFL's not great at run blocking right now, uh-huh. but they're good at scheming plays up, give me those big play running backs in space. Marlon Mack ran the ball while his touchdown, he's fight you know, he was fighting at the goal line for plays and um Yeah, I mean had the sixty plus yarder. The game has changed, right? We don't have two hundred and sixty pound linebackers in the hole anymore the running back's job is no longer a one of durability where you need to run over those guys 25 times a game it's you're probably not going to have much success until you get into space at which point you need the guys that are best in space so you want a dalvin cook you don't want a leonard fournette 12 missed tackles for the colts defense so that would be my takeaway of concern for for the colts justin houston play well he i mean okay fantastic. he was going up against those tackles we just talked about kamoko to being too. nobody's but still yeah he made some plays the colts might actually have they've got a couple pass right oh i don't want to declare that they've got pass rushes they just played the chargers yes who we um, just spoke about being cincinnati terrible. Bengals at seattle seahawks i'd say Ugh. very encouraging by the Bengals for a team that i don't think has great talent they used it pretty well andre smith again is starting at left tackle with Bobby Hart at right tackle. Wow. That went about as expected. Look at that offensive line. John Ross sighting. John Ross was, was really good. Yeah. Now, that one deep touchdown. That's one of the worst safety plays you're ever going to see in your yeah, life. That was more Raheem Moore than anything. Now, you know, Ross but good for Ross. Made the play. Yeah, but Ross, but Ross was fantastic. So, again, you've got these guys that the defense has to account for, get them down the field in playmaking opportunities, and they schemed it up really well. They had the. Um, they, they had a lot of really well-schemed-up plays. You know what's fun when you're, you, know, you, you root for certain players that you've liked in the draft or whatever, and it's like you see that play, and you're like, oh, please tell me that wasn't Marquise Blair. Anybody but Blair. Ah, yeah. sweet. No, Sorry. it's Tedrick Thompson. It was, it was, Ted, it was okay. Thompson. We're fine. He was bad. That was, that was full Raheem Moore, you know, against yeah. the, the Ravens all those years back. Now, okay, it wasn't in the playoffs or the, the most important game or whatever, so it's not that big, but that was gen- – like he read the pass perfectly – should have had an interception and instead somehow conspired to mis- ju- misjudge the flight of the ball, completely undercut it, and just let it go over him. The Bengals' defense did not look as inept 
Um, I did mention, you know, you get fourth quarter Russell Wilson, though. You get this offense where he's getting sacked a million times, and before you know it, he's just pulling out spectacular plays. He had that one incredible, you know, steps up in the pocket, drops one in there for a big-time throw. Next play, big-time throw to Tyler Lockett down the field, and then there you go. The effect of big-time throws, even if your offense is not moving the ball, you mix in a couple of those, and it flips the field. This was Aaron Rodgers the other night. He had the one 50-plus yard big-time throw that flipped the field, led to the touchdown. That's what top-end quarterback play can get you. That's what happened, I think, in this game with Russell Wilson. A few weird things happened in this game. Would you like to hear them? Yes. One, Tyler Lockett dropped a pass, which I think was a touchdown, right? Went right through his hands. Um, so there goes your perfect passer rating to Tyler Lockett. Why? It's so, just an incompletion. Just an incompletion. Well, it's still going to do your perfect passer rating. In fact, the yeah, passer rating went down to 135.4 in this game. Yeah, but he's like one 20-yard catch from being perfect again. Anyway, that was one thing that happened. Tyler Lockett doesn't typically drop passes. Two, DK Metcalf made some pretty big plays. He did. Um, beat up on Drake Kirkpatrick. Now, that's kind of to be expected. But also kind of bullied William Jackson deep down the field. One yeah. play really badly. Um, and the other interesting, doesn't happen very often thing that happened in this game is... Bobby Wagner missed a tackle. Ooh, that is um, weird. I can't remember who it was, but somebody got out in space and pulled a move on Wagner that made him look really bad. Yikes. One so missed that's, tackle. That's one missed tackle. That's all he's going to miss this year. Rough game. So the big question coming into the year, Seattle secondary. Trey Flowers, very bad. Trey Flowers, the corner for Seattle. And then Tedrick Thompson, we said that bad play, among others. Shaquille Griffin did um, a big game. make a few game-saving yeah. plays. He did a really nice job. So... Um, I would be encouraged if I'm a Bengals fan, though, that you've got this. They look like they've got this offensive system that's going to Of course, you know, the downside is they the should have won that game. Yeah, and Andy Dalton, you know, it starts raining, and the ball slips out of his hand. For yeah. they, they called that a fumble. That should have just been a pick. I mean, the ball came out of his hand forward. Yeah. But either way, didn't Almost. hurt his passer rating, but it was a really bad play yeah. that showed up in our grading. Um, what else do we have to cover? Uh, one more. San Francisco, Tampa Bay. Is that it? Jameis is the same Jameis. Four turnover-worthy plays. Were you telling me that the MVP it's not happening this year? How many you're running out of years? No, I'm not. He's got he's year five. We got like ten years left. Hell, like at some point he's not going to get like re-signed to start. <sighs> this was bad. I mean, so look, a lot of the analytics say you can't you can't get rid of the negatives. Yeah, right. You can't lose the negatives, which is why it's so absurd. That you you <laughs> think it's going to happen? So the negatives get MVP Jameis. The negatives have remained, and the positives might not be able to get any higher <laughs> because they're already way up there. So. Maybe my analysis was way off, but Jameis' negatives, say. very poor. He was probably the worst quarterback this week because of those pick sixes and pick six opportunities. Um, Ronald Jones sighting. Yeah. He's still alive. Still alive. I mean, this is week one. This is what happens. He had 13 for 75, forced two missed tackles. Jameis was bad. Jimmy G had a pick six as well. I mean, this was, this was a weird game. Yeah, it was. As well. Jimmy G did not look great no. at all. George Kittle had uh, George Kittle and Cameron Bray each had two touchdowns negated. <laughs> so George Kittle's PFF grade is still awesome because yeah. we grade every play. And the penalty we grade penalties again, assuming that it wasn't you know something on the penalty that you know it wasn't like a free play that we give you know we use intelligence yeah. with it. Um, but the Niners' offense did not look great. Nope. Overall, Nick Bosa did though, which is good, big for them. Yeah. And D Ford got himself some pressure. So that idea of finally fixing the edge rush thing. Looks like it actually happened. Bosa with six pressures on 27 rushes. Now, again, at first glance, Donovan Smith. So there's, you know, always a caveat, but that's certainly a good first impression. 
Akella Witherspoon with a really nice game. Yeah. So this is what happens, right? Ronald Jones, terrible last year. Akella Witherspoon, terrible last year. But it's week one. Those guys were good before. They can flip the script a little bit. So see what happens okay, so going forward. Just it, be, it reminded me because of Jameis. Can we just – did you see some of the passes Ryan Fitzpatrick attempted? Yeah. Like we talk about YOLO balls, but he was full on. I'm not even attempting – to get this to my guy, I am just putting a rainbow in the air somewhere near them, and then I, I'm I'm judging my guy to win the jump ball. I mean, depending I, on your some perspective, some of them were incredible. He's the perfect guy for the tank job. He's also the perfect guy if you want to surround him with all the Bucks weapons last year when they had Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, to Yolo but these it up were to like, those guys. I, I, you don't usually when people throw those Yolo balls, they're at least aiming at a guy. You know what I mean? It's just didn't even try. Right. It's just like it's acknowledged that it's probably going to be contested and we hope he wins. But you're at least trying to hit the guy in your color jersey. Here he genuinely wasn't even trying to do that. He was just, I am throwing a Hail Mary. I'm throwing a twenty yard Hail Mary and hope that my guy wins the jump at the end of it. it I, I've never seen that before. It was incredible. If you want some encouraging signs, Buck's secondary. I mean Buck's uh, defense. Vernon Hargreaves got himself a uh, was it pick six? He had a pick six. And um but Run defense, Indomitian Sue, William Golston, Vita Vea, all looking yeah. strong up front. Um, still a lot of TBD in that secondary. To be determined what Carlton Davis, Hargraves, and the rest of those guys, MJ Stewart, will actually be this year. Um, and that was the big question coming in. Jordan Whitehead at sa- safety, Darian Stewart playing 61 snaps at safety. A lot of question marks on the back end for what the did, uh, I forget, what did Quan Alexander get himself ejected for? I know he only played twenty snaps. Right. Didn't miss a tackle. It was somehow getting himself recklessly out of control in perfect stereotypical Quan Alexander form. I, I just get Bobby what, to. I can't keep remember him what he did. Damn it! What did he do? I don't do? either. Let us know in the comments if you remember what Quan Alexander did to get himself ejected from the game. Look, we went long, but we really wanted to try try to touch on every game as best we can. Yes. Right. And talk about the Antonio Brown saga. And talk about Antonio Brown. Which hopefully is now finished. By the way, Chris slid in last night. He did the right, slide in. Right, after you saying he wouldn't. I, so I said he wouldn't. Barstool picked it up that I, you, we were like breaking news right, or something. Right, you broke the news that he wouldn't. You've completely undermined our reputation as newsbreakers. You were out there breaking news. I had a news, source that let me down. Got picked up everywhere. Source and, let me down. And, now, and then he went and slid in right after that. I blame my source. Yeah? Your source made you look like a fool. Let me and by proxy made me look like a fool. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to dig into it. Okay. I will, I will know by Thursday. By Thursday's podcast, I'll have an idea of what's going to happen going forward for the okay. rest of the year. Uh-huh. And what? I'm hoping it is that Chris is going to repel in. And you know, have, have you evaluated your source? Have you gotten second? You know, you're supposed to get multiple source confirmation. You don't just go with the first source. First source could be wrong. What if you got to get confirmation? Chris. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I don't make the rules. The journalists say you need multiple two source confirmation. All right, so I'll ask Chris, uh-huh. and then I'll text Fred Gadelli. Okay, right, and that's, then that's I'll, multiple. Source. And then I'll try to stalk Al Michaels, get his contact <laughs> info, and then see. So by Thursday, you might have a restraining order on you. Yeah, perfect. Okay, all right, guys, we're done. PFF Elite has premium stats 2.0. The grades will be in throughout the day here on Monday. Be sure to check it all out. Thank you, guys. For tuning in, we'll be back Thursday with your week two preview. And hopefully no more Antonio Brown talk. No more Antonio.
Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL. 